Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, podcast that glances sideways at the weekend's rugby and mistakenly identifies it as a stalker dressed in a David Humphreys oversized anorak. I am Lee Calvert, and over there, as per usual, 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 as per yeah. urinal, is hey, <laughs> I, I'm Josh Gardner of RugbyShitWatch.com, obviously. And joining us for this episode as well, fresh from his glorious, glorious debut victory. On fighting talk on Saturday, <laughs> is no, yeah. is the stand-up powerhouse a man unafraid of appearing on national television wearing only speedos, and a world champion in telling minor authority figures to fuck off? It is oh, Barry's yeah. very own Mike Bubbins. Hello, Mike. Hello, boys. Hello, Josh. Hello, me. Hello, world. You didn't tell anyone to fuck off on fighting, fighting talk either, Mike. Very impressed. Yeah, yeah. Not not on microphone, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy the experience, Mike? Fighting too? Yeah, it was good fun, actually. I didn't know what to expect, but um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was nice. Is it recorded live? I've never quite figured that out. Yeah. Sorry, is it broadcast live, obviously? It's broadcast live, and then we do another sort of 15 minutes after it finishes to make up the the news and the the inserts. The podcast is an hour, hour, you know, I don't know know exactly, mate. (laughs) (laughs) You're out of your element here, aren't you? Let's be honest. The show's an hour long where there's news and weather and all those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they chop that up, they put another 50 minutes at the end to make up the podcast for an hour, I think. So if you want to get in touch with this podcast, uh, which is, well, recorded live, but, you know, listen to it whenever you want, is you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud. Josh, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, At Josh Gardner, at Rugby Shirt Watch, uh, rugbyshirtwatch.com, them. And Mike? How do people get in touch with you? Um, 
Cardiff 3H. No, <laughs> it's either at Mike Bevins on Twitter or there's uh, there's MikeBevins.com as a website you can get in touch through there as well. Nice one. So while you were slumming it at the BBC, Mike, before you coming here to where the real broadcasting classes, um, yeah. Josh, you were in Belgium, I was taking advantage of being able to go there before you need yes. either a visa or a gunboat to actually go there after I'll next March. It's all those motherfuckers want to talk about right now. <laughs> with, a, with a sort of half smile and a shake of the head, it's so Brexit, and you just go... Yeah, fuck off. You're in a bad situation where the Belgians are taking the piss out of you, aren't you? That's well, exactly. really bad. It's like, well, I mean, literally, I was in Belgium. I got into Brussels. I was in there for literally five minutes. I'd forgotten some toiletries. I went into a shop and I got shouted at by an angry Belgian French shop assistant. And I'd never felt more welcome in a country. <laughs> I was just delighted. Well, it sounds like business as usual over there, anyway. <laughs> it's, it's weird, though. You go to the French end, the south, they are very aggro and then the sort of Flemish slash Dutch end at the north fucking hell they're chill the Dutch are basically you know, like us aren't they bad haircuts darts it's almost, tattoos it's almost, they love it all it's almost as if we've been fighting the French for a thousand years yeah I was in Belfast about two weeks ago and that was a well, three weeks ago maybe that, that's very uh, Brexit wise that's a, that's an interesting place to be as well <laughs> only Brexit wise yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's a longer conversation that's going on, isn't there? Yeah. Well, yeah. But none of that's rugby, is it? So, none yeah. of that is rugby, so let's move on. While we're talking <laughs> about rugby, we always start with the player spotted. Thank you very while much. We, while we're talking about rugby. Oh, yeah, we were, we were. While we want to start talking about rugby, yeah. um, we always start with the player spotted. Thank you for everybody who sends in your mundane spotting of players out and about. First of all, I'd like to thank Sebastian Roberts for DMing me and saying... And this is particularly uh, prosaic. I like this one. Just walked past Richie McCaw in Kensington Park. And oh, this yeah. is what I, did. I really like. He was wearing an old AIG sponsored All Blacks jacket and shorts. Oh, God, I've got so much time for that. I love the idea that he just knocks around an old training kit for the rest of his life because he must have loads of it left over, must he? My favourite player. Is he really bad? Yeah, Richie McCaw, yeah, definitely. He's genuinely like. A weird, like he's not. The, he's a very small, like bloke in the flesh, but he's got such a fucking aura about him when he walks into a room. It's weird. But on the on the subject of training kit, Adam Reese, friend of the pod, did a thing for me with Canterbury a couple of years ago, and Adam Jones was there, and he turned up. It was in like January or something, and he turned up at this thing wearing flip flops and carrying his Lions kit bag from two thousand and nine, I think, with all this shit in. Lovely. I've got a lot. I've got a lot of time for that. <laughs> I went to. Uh, I mentioned on the podcast before. Nathan Budget was a, a mate of mine. Mm. To his place because I, I was going to play some veterans rugby. Didn't really want to spend a lot of money on kit. So for playing like twice a year. So I went to his house. He played for like Celtic Warriors. He played for Pontypridd <laughs> and mm. Bristol. He played for. You know, he just he just had a garage full because he had like two or three sets of kit a year, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. Forty-eight pairs of boots, sixty-four. <laughs> pairs of boots. Just said, take whatever you like. But he's six foot five, isn't he? Six foot five and size twelve feet. <laughs> so I look like a refugee, but it, but it was all it was. It was, all, it better was than all, paying, though, isn't it? It's better than paying, mate. It's better than paying. Right then. So let's before we get into the full meat of the game, talk about who we're going to sit next to down the clubhouse, shall we, Josh? Yes. Um, 
Have you got anybody to? You're asking us to sit next to you down the clubhouse, Mike, or are you just going to observe this one? No, I don't. I didn't. I didn't really understand you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did. I did call that before you came on. Yeah. Did you? I wasn't sure whether I chose two people for me or two people for you or one each. I, I didn't know. I think you've probably sensibly swerved that one. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. I'll listen to you two. If I, if I if I feel the need to jump in, I will. <laughs> Right, are you going first then, Josh, asking me what I want to sit uh, next to? Go yeah, on. sure, hit me. Uh, cool. Okay, so your first one this week uh, is a lovely gentleman by the name of Sausage McBones. Nice. Um, now, he's five foot three and 17 stone, so what you'd call like an old-school hooker. But <laughs> he's surprisingly agile for a man of his cubic proportions. But um, despite that, he hasn't actually scored a try since 2001 and spends at least half an hour after every game complaining to his teammates for not passing to him when, in his words, it was 100% on. Um, it's never on. Uh, he, he drives a forklift truck by day. Uh, whatever you do, don't mention that he needs a little booster seat to see over the wheel. So uh, that's your first one. That's that reminds me of, I think I've mentioned this before, I had an NBA game on the PlayStation 1, and me and my mate created that. We can build your own player, created that guy, the shortest guy and the heaviest guy. So we effectively created like Thomas Francis on the NBA. <laughs> but he could like, and we had him as the fastest player possible. So we ran like, the wind. The Clarence beef tank. The uh, Clarence beef tank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That description reminds me of a time about five, ten years ago, maybe, when Kelly's dad, Jeff, uh, he's very old school, Jeff. He's very, very old school, Swansea man. He'd been away with his wife, Maya, and they'd seen, well, this is the thing, they'd seen Warwick Davis's car. <laughs> right. <laughs> did, how did you know it was his car? Or his car. Liked it. Go on, okay, anyway. Exactly what happened, I mean, Warwick Davis was driving the car, but then uh, Jeff thought the car was driving itself. <laughs> Brilliant. And then he said he got out. He said it was that it was that dwarf off the TV. I said I said do you mean you mean Warwick Davis? Do you Jeff? He said that is, I don't know. He said and he described the programs he was on. I said yeah, that that is Warwick Davis. He said but I couldn't see him. He said he said he's a real he's a dwarf in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he oh. thought Warwick Davis wasn't real I don't know but he thought it was a blue screen creation for all these television shows he just plays one on television I yeah. think the woman he was with was either was either a dwarf which had freaked Jeff out or, or wasn't a dwarf which had freaked him out more I can't remember <laughs> either way it was some dwarf related freak out <laughs> if you can say dwarf I don't know that's a little person you know what I mean so hang on, yeah. that, you gave me that first I, one. I, I can't remember anything. Who was the second one? Uh, uh, yeah, Cecil Journeyman's your second one. Right. Uh, he's played over two hundred games for Hansy Boys Academicals, but he's never lived down the one charity game that he played in for arch rivals Philately United in nineteen ninety nine. Now, despite it being obvious to the rest of the club that they're only really teasing him about his lack of commitment, um, he decided to prove his loyalty by getting exact recreations of the club's captains' honours and trophy boards tattooed on his back in such excruciating detail that it's taken eight two-hour sittings to get halfway done. Um, if you mention anything about it, however, he will whip his toff off and show you uh, he's 57 and he's really not in good shape. Nice. So there you go. Um, I can't remember what the first one was, so I'm going for number two. Cool. So that's the only minute it is. W Hooker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cubic. Warwick Davis Hooker. The, uh... No, so... that's a game I'd watch. <laughs> yes. Uh, here's your two, Josh. You can choose yes, the next two. Me. First of all, Norman Soul. 
Okay. <laughs> he's 52. He plays prop for Gamesmanshipsians RFC. Yes. Absolutely loves Northern Soul. You wouldn't be surprised to hear. The not musical right. genre, not the album by The Verve. It's very important to, to clarify that. Does all the dance moves and everything. However, goes frequently goes on 10-minute rants about how Pete Waterman is a fucking charlatan. I mean, he's got a not, point. Not literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got not so that's your first one. Yeah. Or you can have Wilf Haddock. Right. He's a small man. It's a great name. Small man, face like a koala. Can you picture it? Like a koala's face. Worryingly, I actually can, yeah. Despite being born and raised in Grimsby, he wears a CIA jacket, Super Bowl winner's ring, and speaks in a US accent. Oh, dear. He's trained with Craig Mintonian's RFC for five years without ever actually playing a game due to being away every weekend or due to injuries he claims are sustained when he goes away at the weekend to fight in assorted American wars. For example, Iraq... Kosovo and Grenada, as he says. <laughs> People often raise with him the fact, the idea that he should give up playing, given all this that goes on, to which his response is always, I ain't quit a goddamn thing in my life, and I ain't starting now, and you pinkos will just have to get used to that. Is his accent more convincing than Probably that? more convincing just, than yeah. that, I'll be honest, but probably okay. not. That's well padding. Yeah. Um, I'm quite as one of those what likes American things people as well. I mean, I'd probably get on quite well with him. So yeah, why not? Whisper not so much it. the American wars, but you know, whisper it. But Wilf Haddock is based on somebody that I represent. This is not a lie that I represented in a disciplinary matter when I was a union rep. <laughs> he actually did say he was tired and couldn't meet his targets in work because he went away at the weekend to fight in Iraq because it was 2003, whenever it was. I, I wish you should immediately forgive him any mis, any <laughs> just the sheer level, the ballsiness of that lie. And I actually did it's... say to him, "Listen, what your real name is? You're not going. You have to meet these targets. So basically, if you're not going to meet them, then they're going to sack you. So you might as well resign." And he did actually answer me in an American accent with, "I ain't quit nothing ever in my life." <laughs> so that's actually based on a re- honestly, I'm not making it up. A real person. He was actually from Cardiff. To be fair... You didn't know him, f- did you, Mike? To, no, but, but just, to be fair to Wolf, I mean, getting sacked is small potatoes compared to being hit with depleted uranium rounds. That's <laughs> a very fucking more, good point, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> That's got to be It's got to be him. So there you go, worst clubhouse round ever. Let's move on. Yes. Um, should we go on some news before we talk about the weekend? Yes, news. Quick Scottish um, news round. Yes, Gary Graham, Agent Gary Graham, has <laughs> returned to the, the motherland. Um, this is all a bit dodgy, isn't it? So he's called up to what? Oh, two or three England squads, Gary Graham? He's called Newcastle? up to, like, yeah, two England squads. Uh, was in the England's camp for the Six Nations in uh, in February, and now he's been called up to the Scotland squad. Which I'm if, if, you, if you've got a senior call-up. He's not actually he, played though, has he? As long as he's not been capped, he's fine. And he didn't he didn't get capped in either any of his squads, so he can now merrily walk into the Scotland setup with presumably a fair amount of inside knowledge about the England setup <laughs> and just go, here Gregor, crack on, mate. Which uh I'm sure Eddie Jones is fucking delighted about that. I think it's a though, do you? I mean it's it's brilliantly devious on someone's part there. And well, he obviously watched Sam Underhill, didn't he? And go, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm off to Scotland. I've got <laughs> nope, no fucking yeah. chance here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, good luck to him. He's, he's played 
for Scotland under 20s. So, and you know, he was born in Stirling and his dad is Scottish. So it's not like it's, yeah, uh, it always felt a bit weird that he was, uh, going, you know, playing for England, really. So, yeah, I think it felt, it felt a bit weird for me as a Welshman that Alan Rowland was, was a neutral referee who appeared against France in the semi final of the World Cup as well, you know. I so, mean, yes, that all that, that one always, uh, I mean, just falling Alan Pierre Rowland, sorry, <laughs> who's definitely not half, yeah. French. Natching away in French. <laughs> Who knows what they're saying, eh? <laughs> what else have we got from us? So, so Gary Graham, good luck to you, but yeah. Yeah, well, it seems a bit weird. Uh, and also, Stuart Hogg has finally fled the mothership of Glasgow uh, and is going to Exeter, where presumably he will have to immediately get an absolutely terrible haircut to fit in. You'd have to um, go back to that one that he's got on his Bebo profile. Have you seen that one that does the round? <laughs> he's got a haircut like Jennifer yes. Aniston in Friends. Yes, I think that's probably a good start, to be honest. Well, yeah. We're still against Exeter Chiefs. I know, yeah, you love them, don't you? Mate? You must be very happy that such a class player is going there. It's my favourite English club. I tell you what, they add Stuart Hogg to the back line that they already have. That is fucking not bad, is I mean, it? Be, yeah, yeah. He'll, have, he'll have to house Phil Dolman, though, won't he? Come on, <laughs> let's be realistic. I mean, yeah, can we have a, a moment for poor Phil poor Dolman? Poor Phil Dolman. Who, who literally... He was going to get capped by Wales at last, and then he got injured in the playing in the Premiership final. And now he's never going to get a Wales cap again. Poor never, Phil. Never, never say never. What is he now, 33? Yeah. Something like that, isn't he? It's over. That's, Maybe that's, say never. <laughs> I'd, love it if, I'd love it if they just took him in the summer, just to, just to right a wrong. <laughs> but... Well, what they'll do in the summer, they won't take a full strength with a World Cup coming in the autumn. They're not going to take... Anyone that's going to be in that sort of 25, 30... Yeah. I don't know, how's it going to work? Fuck it, play him, play him against Tonga next week. Are they touring in the summer? Or will it be all... Uh, they will probably just have more matches. Yeah, they'll, they'll play meaningless games against England and Ireland and things like that, and nobody will enjoy it. Um, yeah, that extra squad now. You know, Jack Noel, Alex Cuthbert, and, yeah, uh, and Stuart Hogg's not a fucking bad back three, is it? Well, Cuthbert is. Yeah. Cuthbert's... I don't, I don't know what Cuthbert does, is the, is the thing. Well, hopefully, maybe find a bit of form now. He's got Get a lovely to... open gallop over the open ground. He'd have to have some form to find it, though, wouldn't he? That's a... <laughs> he'd, have to have, he'd, have, he'd have had to have some form at some point in his career and then find it. So, I mean, 2013 Lions, he was very good. He hasn't been since. God, I'd love him to get back to that. Because he's given the ball in like positions where any decent winger would sort of go over the line. I don't remember doing a great deal. Yeah, well, he was a finisher. Well, he used to score tries, didn't he, for a period? Yeah. And then when Literally the try scoring right, stopped, all you did was notice everything else. And that wasn't <laughs> yeah. good. Yes. He, the fact that he wasn't scoring tries kind of revealed the fact that he... And couldn't tackle. Man, that's yeah, he couldn't tackle. He didn't have a great deal of basic skills when it comes to rugby. Um, very well couldn't kick <laughs> yeah oh god definitely but other Never than that other than that great player I was like Joe Davis <laughs> but, uh, so in terms of he was always going to leave Glasgow wasn't he there's no way yes. that a player of that level and that's no offence to Glasgow but no player of that level of class is going to stick around with a whole career at Glasgow are they unlikely no so they he, just can't know. afford him let's be honest no. and I think if I was a Scotland fan I would be delighted that he hasn't gone to France because Let's be honest, they don't particularly seem to have the players' welfare at the 
very forefront of their minds at the moment. The whole yeah, Finn Russell's situation. gone over there and done okay, so he's done, that he's means done everyone well else so is going to go badly <laughs> on a law of averages. So you know he'll get le- he'll get flogged less in the Prem than he will in France. Let's be honest, and that's got to be a good well, thing. They, probably. Get the, they get the money's worth in France, though, but they're paying, absolutely they're paying the big bucks. But I mean, they do run them into the ground, don't they? Yeah, I mean, fourteen the whole, month season. The whole Reese Webb situation this week, where you know it came out that they tried to get him to play in that Heineken Cup game last week with a grade three flipping calf strain, um, is terrifying, to be frank. And I would be very worried about any player that I liked signing in France. Well, the whole back of that. As, as a Welshman, you know, I mean, the, I don't know when the WRU gonna are gonna rescind that stupid that stupid thing they brought in. I can't see them keep him out. They can't. They can't keep that players, you know, below a certain amount of caps to go to France or go outside of Wales to, you know, outside of the UK to play, can't play for Wales. They can't keep that going. It doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make, it's not fair to the players, not fair to the fans, not fair to the coaches. I will be surprised if one way or another, Reese Webb is not involved in the World Cup squad. I'm going to say that now. Well, Gatlin um, said he wants common sense. Don't you, so he's he's yeah. sort of dropping bits, yeah. We'll see how that goes, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's certainly not having a brilliant start to his career in France when getting, you know, getting an injury he's never had before. That should be a a sick. We'll get to the, also we'll get the internationals in a second for the weekend, but I mean, Wales need him in that squad and on that pitch. Yeah, I think Thomas Williams played really well, but we miss him badly. And I would be delighted to have him back in Wales or at least back playing for Wales uh, one way or another. We'll see how it goes, though. Shall we start talking about Wales since we've already started talking about Wales? Yes. Thank God for that. Because you two are obviously like the (laughs) anti-Inverdale. Yeah. He Um, he wasn't too bad on the weekend, to be fair to The hair's still unforgivable, though. (laughs) If you leave everything that comes out of his mouth, the hair is still a kind of... is is a court-martial offence. Oh yeah, he deserves to stick on that on that on that alone. But I mean, um, yeah, but Wales were. I don't thank know what it, Josh. I was. I was. That, I just think that thank was God. F in dire, really, wasn't it? It was. It was a terrible game, but honestly, I don't care. It's like we've. Was a monkey on our back? One of the. Opposite. Yeah, the, that's kind of the main thing. But fuck me, it was not a game. I don't think it was. It was not a game for the purist. It was not a game for the casual. It was not a game for anyone, really. It was a game that probably should have been played behind closed doors. I remember. Well, do you know what? I, I, a lot of friends. I was. I was away. I came back just in time to see it on the TV. But um, one of my mates was down there and said the atmosphere was, was was zero down there. There was nothing in the crowd. There was no singing. There was no. There was no get up and go with the crowd. It, it was, but I mean, that's because the crowd are going to feed up us on the pitch. I, I, I watched at one point in the game in the first half, where Wales must have gone through fifteen or sixteen phases. And gone across the field two and a half times sideways, <laughs> and then he actually gone back five meters. What that? And it was literally first pay, it was first receiver head down, arse up, get tackled, ruck, ball back. First receiver head down, arse up, ruck, get the ball back. First, <laughs> for Christ's sake, move it away, move it away from the ruck. At least put another pair of hands on it. Do something, right? It was just going absolutely. Rob Howley sat there in the frigging stand. <laughs> that's the thing I've got no idea what Wales's attacking game plan is supposed to be looking like at this point like 
kick the leather off it, apparently. Don't lose the ball and then kick aimlessly at some point. Like, games... Both teams defended really well on Saturday, but games don't end 9-6 purely because of defensive excellence. Like, no defensive system can tolerate an infinite load. And, like... Uh, like they both teams were just fucking shambolic and i don't get it because over the summer like it felt like wales was starting to put something that sort of vaguely resembled a progressive modern game plan together and now the first two games in the autumn we've turned the clock back to like fucking 2008 or something and i think God, it was better. i just... think he was better last week i think anskin was doing a bit more probing and probing prodding last week he was yeah there's a there's there's a there's a really good word in welsh which has no direct translation it's the word vevlas. Yes. Which basically means, it's hard to translate, but it means sort of miserable and grey. And it's often used to describe what? weather in Wales. It is what our weather is. Yeah, my heen vevlas. Yeah. Yes. And, and that game was probably the absolutely archetypal <laughs> uh, vevlas game, I suppose. It was peak vivlas, wasn't it? Yeah. However, I suppose like another, oh. a good, another good Welsh word is bendy geddig, which I suppose you, with the result wise, you won't give a flying shit, will you? Really? There's a there's a better one than bendy geddig. Do you know that? Are there cog that one? And and What's that one? Ansperinagathus means it's better than you can describe. It's literally indescribably. That's good. a magnificent <laughs> word. I've never heard that one before. Saturday um, definitely wasn't that. Uh, <laughs> it, was just, it was so tedious. Although I'm, I'm no rugby coach, right? But I just thought, for fuck's sake, I mean, I can't believe that there is absolutely zero game plan going forward, right? There was, there was absolutely nothing. The scrums were pretty ropey. Lineouts weren't good. The week before you mentioned Lee, right? At least Anscombe had a nice flat pass going off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we come on the ball with a bit of pace. There was none of that. It was the balls behind. It was balls... Balls into the midriff. But, I mean, it was the phase play. It's that fucking thing. And we sort of pride ourselves on, on retaining ball possession. I don't care because all the stats say the more phases you go through, the less likely you are to score a try, right? Because it, if you look at it statistically, the way you're going to make your tries and your breaks is broken play and people going forward and beating the tackle. You, they were just sucked it up. It was, But it was so easy to defend. It was so easy to defend. Just you're shipping a ball back two meters to a second row or, or, or a tight foot or a front row player who's got someone right on his ass. They just hit the first contact, go down, get over the ball, and repeat and repeat and just crab sideways, then crab sideways back the other way. I thought, oh my god, like it was painful to watch as well. It was it was fucking hard, and I get like I get horses for courses, like. If you play a loose game against Australia, they've got enough attackers that they're going to cause problems. And it's to Wales's credit that Australia looked fuck- as fucking bad as we did attacking-wise on Saturday. But, God, I mean, fucking hell, sport is still entertainment at the end of the day. And that was not entertaining at all. The, the defence was a positive, I suppose. And like we said at the top there, the result. I mean, it, there's plenty of times in the past when Wales... Would have would have fucked that up right at the end. Oh yeah, we were. That was absolutely guilt edged for a classic Wales fucking that up right at the end, and they didn't, and that's important. Yeah, it was. Um, also, though, my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory is starting to gather a bit of momentum. Like you won't know this, Mike, but as as Lee can attest, last week I said that having watched the rugby championship this year and watching the first two weeks of the autumn internationals, I had a totally unfounded suspicion that World Rugby has maybe had a word with refs and said, these player safety regs that everyone's getting very annoyed about, 
a test level, can we just go a bit easy on them? Because yeah. we that's we don't want this game's gone soft apoplexy that's been featuring everywhere in the domestic game this season to carry over into the international game. Definitely read differently the last couple. Of weeks. Like it just it like it's it's bizarre. Like that half the Karevi hit on half penny on Saturday. Most obvious yellow card in the history of yellow cards. No one called yeah. And, and lucky not to be. Uh, you could you could you could argue a red more yeah. easily. You could argue a red more easily than no penalty. Yeah, that's true. Like we've all played rugby to some level or another. We all know what a charge down look like looks yeah. like and what shithousery masquerading as a charge down looked yeah. like. And yeah, it was the most obvious example of it. You'll see this weekend, if not this year. And the only one who was had a bit of honesty in a, in a broadcast booth was Martin Johnson, unsurprisingly, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because when people were saying, well, you know, yeah, it was an accident, he was, and, and Johnson just went, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> <laughs> because it patently wasn't an accident. Yeah, like, yeah. I think I treat this sort of like as an ex-dirty rugby player, right? I can tell you, I can tell you for nothing that the only time you, t- you turn a shoulder in midair and a charge down is to accidentally twat him in the face after he's <laughs> There's no other reason to do it. I've made no, the point before you... numerous times that empathy works both ways. Referees always say, uh, they always say we, that referees should have empathy and understand how difficult it is for players and, and be, but that, that's a, the kind of give them a break end. But empathy works the other way. You have to understand that some players do shit house things and it's not yeah. that hard to work it out, you know. And you've also got to, if, if we're going to go, if we're going to have these bloody TMOs, which I'm still not 100% convinced about, right? Um, then you've got to, they, there needs to be a reason. If he's in the earpiece saying, you need to look at this again, there's 75,000 people booing. And then he looks at it, sees three different angles and goes, that's fine. Well, then what's the, what's the TMO doing? What's, the, what's his role there? Just to ask him to go and look at it and then be, you know, I don't it's see it. it. If, Very if, unsatisfactory, if, isn't it? If it was a try situation, then the TMO, the referee asks the TMO, what are you saying? I'm saying it's a, it's a try or I'm saying it's, it's a knock-on, it's a scrum five, you know. But in that situation of foul play, the TMO is essentially saying he's hit him in the, he hit him in the chin with his shoulder and the referee say, no, he hasn't, that's fine. Yeah, it's a weird one, that, isn't it? I get that they want to... Didn't he say it's not a deliberate act of foul play? Which, again, yeah, is even, it was makes a... even less sense. Because if he you look it was at... a rugby action, a rugby collision is what they're calling them these days, isn't it? All collisions are fucking rugby collisions. It's just whether they're legal or not. Exactly, yeah. If you look at the <laughs> guidelines of the reckless tackle thing that's in there, and not just on charge downs, is it says, you it, the wording is, it can be reckless if you if you knew or you could have known it would have connected with the person's head. And if you apply yeah. that those two criteria to that scenario, then seriously, what are we doing? Yeah, it's well, mad, isn't it? I, I put it on Twitter the week before with a, with a Johnny Wilkerson hit, and the nipple line was uh, was featured heavily on Scrum 5, come with the nipple line. And I, I sent the RFU a, a picture of a, a bloke with his top off to show where the nipples were, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. Then, even, even that nipple thing is so ambiguous. And Phil Steele, who's a, a rugby commentator back, back here in Wales, right? Very funny bloke, Phil. He put on there, he put on Twitter, it's like they always tell you in school, he can't go anywhere without his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> can't run bad nipples, as they say. Up <laughs> <and run off. laughs> if you want to bring the tackle height down, then just say, right, it's got to be around the waist. It's got to be, oh, you know, it's got to be around the waist, around the legs. Simple as that. If you're yeah. serious about it, Aussie rule style. Right, listen. 
it, as an, in honor of Mike being here, yeah. and in yes. honor of that win, I've 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 reworded. I've done another song. Oh God! So I mean, hooray! Oh shot! Come on! <laughs> it's not a full song because I know some people don't like you know the songs. So yeah. ready? Here we go. The old stadium looks the same As I sit down to watch the game And there's that old corner That Kurt Leapiel scored in Down the line I look And there runs Moriarty Hair of gold and face All killy, it's good to win against those bastards I don't care how shit it was Cause 13 times we fucking suffered a loss It's good to get a win against those bastards Like this. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. <laughs> Mike's got his Gibson ass out. Look, he's not fucking about. He's. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can actually see that, can you? Yeah. yeah. I'll, put it, I'll put it down. That was, <laughs> that was very nice, mate. That was very nice. Is there an ES or a casino, Mike? What's that? Is there an ES or a casino? Do you know, it's, it's, it's a replica, mate. It's not, it's not even a Gibson. Uh, I know, mate. Sorry. It's not one. It's just don't a... mind. Blonde. Yeah, it's oh, nice. I love a blonde. It is nice. <laughs> Nice colour. Like Ross I'm Moriarty. A, I'm a terrible. <laughs> it's a. It's a. Have you ever Tanglewood? Oh yeah. Tanglewood, Chicago. It is, but it's a. Yeah, it's nice stuff. Yeah. Who of us? Who of us didn't start playing or have played at some point in their lives with a Tanglewood? My my my, my is a Tanglewood as well, but that's it's another podcast. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a Patreon episode. That is. Speaking of which, you can sign up to our Patreon at patreoncom mud. and the reason why you should is because on there you can get access to Mike Bubbins's a Rugby Life interview, which is where you best. get a full history of just how absolutely filthy he was on a rugby field. Yeah, I love doing that interview. That was very cathartic. To me. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't cry, but he gets near to it. I think at some point. Yeah, very much. Well, I did. Right then. So that's Wales. Tonga next for Wales. Yes. Full. Lots of changes. Do we think? Yes. Fully yeah. expecting that to be a either an incredibly frustrating win or an absolutely devastating loss. <laughs> as as is as is the as it has been written since time immemorial. Um. Yeah. I think there'll be at least 10 changes. There'll be big changes for it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We can't lose to Tonga, mate. We can't. I think Surely not. Those days, I think those days have gone. God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. well, sure. I don't really want to grind a winner over him either, you know? I don't want to no. four kicks to three. It wants to be a, a, tri- a tri-fest battering, really, doesn't it? In similar vein to what Scotland did to Fiji this weekend, really. Give them a, if they give him a game for half hour, good. But then there should be a, a second gear thing. No, there's no excuse not for that not to happen, really, is there? No, and yet the USA yeah. beat Samoa this weekend. They fucking I did, did not. I did not predict that. Fair play to them. <laughs> they have had a very USA have had a very very good year in terms of like the they. Unlike Scotland. Canada, because 
Kingsley well, yeah, Jones is in charge Kingsley of Canada. Jones, <laughs> Jones, yeah. Well, a good, a good mate of mine, Griff Reese, was, was the Ospreys' tech coach, now runs mm. the Blues Academy. Yeah. He's over there with Kingsley now. Kingsley asked him to go to France for three oh, weeks yeah. with a Canada team, yeah. <laughs> because he said these are, they're such crucial games they've got to win. They, they think they've got to beat... They've got to beat Russia. They've got to beat. Um, of course, they're in the repertoire, aren't they? Yeah. For... And they've got to beat. But they said Hong Kong's the one. Hong Kong have come on. They've got a lot of um, a lot of sort of. Uh, I think New Zealand boys in that play, but Hong Kong. Right. A tough game. But if Canada don't do that, if they don't qualify for the World Cup. It'll be a real vicious circle because that, that he was saying that that money from qualifying off the off the IRB essentially funds Canadian rugby. Yeah. If they don't qualify for the World Cup, you could see Canadian rugby tailspin. Jesus, that'd be bad. Out of existence, basically, yeah, which would be really bad. And it managed to, it managed to survive your disgraceful rugby school uh, business venture as well, didn't it, Mike? So it'd be I a think... shame if this is what finished it off. <laughs> yeah, in dire straits. I'm happy to go back over there. <laughs> I mean, I would fully endorse Mike Bubbins as new director of rugby for Canada. To be honest, I think that would be a great laugh. I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. You could get yourself an ice out just over the border from Green Bay, Mike. You'd be laughing. Oh, I'd <laughs> if, if, by the way, if, if Ruby Canada's listened to this podcast, <laughs> I'd make myself available for the Canada job should Kingsley step down. There we go. Right then. I, uh, my coaching CV includes uh, taking the Calgary Rams to their first and only provincial finals in Alberta in 2002, which we won. Um, I didn't see the whole of the game because I was sent off as a coach. <laughs> what I like about you is that you bang on brand in every rugby story that you tell, Mike. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Speaking of bang on brand, let's talk about England. Um, yes. England 15, New Zealand 16. Um, in a, well, a tempest really, wasn't it? Absolutely pissed it down. We had, sure. a, we, had a sort, we had a sort of Schrodinger's reign, didn't we? Because so a lot of England fans, a lot of people didn't like England, actually, were sort of saying, oh, well, New Zealand can't play in the rain. And then, and, and then people I, said that New Zealand were, were used to the rain. So it was either a good thing or a bad thing or both all at once. It was really odd. I'll tell you what, I've seen. they do have rain in New Zealand. They do have rain. Every time I watch a Super Rugby game, it is raining if it's, it's played in New Zealand. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen an All Blacks team in the last... 35 years ago, we watching rugby, play as poorly as they played in that first half hour. It just didn't look like the All Blacks at all. I tell uh, you what, this, before we get into England, yeah. uh, this All Blacks team has got a whiff for 99 about them. Reckon? And a whiff for two Like, I'm not saying they're not the best team in the world. I'm not saying they don't have world-class players all over the park, but it's just something they don't pass the sight test for me. There's something about that 2007 or 99 World Cup team where they look like the Harlem Globetrotters when things are going well, but they just they look like they can be got at a little bit. And I wonder that if you rattle them a bit early, that's like, Hurst as well. That is, yeah, he was the same when he was, you know, it was the same with Wales. But yeah, they they looked, they didn't look themselves for half an hour, you know. It, but then England, I mean, to be three scores up, yeah. And, and blow that against New Zealand was 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 shocking. And when I say blow it, it was it was almost Welsh in 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 the self destruction. <laughs> second half, they fucked on numerous well, new games. England looked great until New Zealand got the ball. <laughs> yeah, because for the first twenty five minutes, New Zealand didn't really have the ball. Now, which is not to say that England were particularly 
you know, there's plenty of other teams who've looked all right until New Zealand get the ball, to be honest. Mm. And I take your point, George, I think it's right. New Zealand have been rattled more this year or look to have periods of being rattled more this year than I've seen for a little while. I think a South Africa are, are not the pushovers they've been in the last couple of years. So that the championship must be a tough, you know, that's a tough season. That championship, and even Argentina will give you a rough half hour. Yeah, yeah, especially over there. Yeah. You know, so. But I just you think of like you look back to 2011, 2015 when they had McCaw, they had Dan Carter, you know, and all of those players that they lost since then, Conrad Smith, Marnonu, they they never would have like. They can soak up, you know, they'd have bad periods, but they wouldn't get rattled in the way that they looked rattled. And they never really got there. They played better in the second half, but they never really got that flow what, back at what all. What I've always had, or in my memory, certainly, is every time somebody came off or retired or, or was injured, the person they brought in, he's shitting out. He's better than, he's better than the guy that's gone off. Yeah. And they, they haven't got that. I think since those, those names you mentioned have left, you got your Bowden Barrett's now, we're class. But I mean, that's that's a that's a New Zealand team for me, right? Bereft by New Zealand standards of real quality attacking players. I didn't see it on the weekend, and I, I know I know what they've done in the championship and what they do in Super Rugby, but you know, you got to call you got to call a spade a spade. They they weren't they weren't very good. England should have beaten them, and they should have they should have beaten them by. 15, 20 points, and they did, and they lost. Yeah, and the funny thing is, though, and it's, like, it's not funny. I mean, it's not funny if you're an England fan. It's, it's quite funny for me. Um, yeah, I'll decide England, it's funny. <laughs> Go on. England, literal architects of their own demise, though, because that disallowed try 18 months ago wouldn't have been anything wrong with it. However, because England couldn't work out how to outfox the Fox against Italy in the 2017 Six Nations or whenever it was, yeah. World Rugby changed the offside rules, and now it cost England a win against the All Blacks 18 months later. That is some fucking karmic shit right there. I mean, to be fair, as an England fan, I was I was fuming on that rule <laughs> because it was almost like IRB said, right, you're not allowed to make people think. Yeah, so we're no, changing I mean, the laws now. So it was a ridiculous you know, decision to, to change fair, it. So I never thought I'd say. To be fair to England. <laughs> if you watch, if you watch the Welsh game, well, I watched the England game after the Welsh game, so I, I, I was travelling, so I recorded the England game. But it, well, because I, I watched the England game after the Welsh game, the Aussie backs in the Welsh game were were two or three feet offside at every mm-hmm. breakdown, right? Yeah, yeah. They were certainly no further offside than than England were in, in, in that in that try at the end. Yeah. So it's it's not just it's an age old thing, isn't it? It's not just they they've changed that law. It's when it's so fucking poorly. There, there's there seems to be no consistency with anything at the moment in officiating in rugby. I mean, th- people have been in those positions all the last game, all the all the Welsh game. People were stood in those positions for most of that England New Zealand game. The backline was stood in that position, you know. And then right at the end of the game, crucial try. If that had been Wales, I'd have been spitting nails. Oh God, absolutely fuming and. Well, I would say you haven't picked us up on that for fucking seventy-six minutes, and you want to, and you want to do it now, you know. <laughs> and I think there's this been Eddie James was saying in the week actually before all this happened, like, is it time for rugby to have a second ref in a sort of NFL back judge kind of way? To, because there's too much going on now. There's oh, too much. You have a you have a, you have two refs, you know, both. So you have there's always one on the attacking side of the ball, one on the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah. Be that hard to do. The trouble is, the number of refs they've got now, it's still inconsistent. So how the hell is (laughs) adding more refs going to solve the problem? What they really should do, but it would be too revolutionary, right, is if you look at, like, tag rugby with kids or or you look at rugby league, is to generally move that offside line back. Just say, okay, you've got to be back five metres. Or you've got to be, you know, I think ten's too much for for union. But make it a five-metre offside line. Yeah. I think there is something about the spectacle that that would assist with, because I'll be honest, and we'll come on to this, we'll probably talk about France a bit later on, box kicking is becoming a fucking blight Oh, it is dull though, isn't it? It And because because the defences are so close and because they blitz so quick, it's almost like, I can understand why people do it. I still think it's the wrong option a lot of the time, to be honest. And it's probably 80% of the time really badly, poorly executed. Mm -hmm. So it just ends up being just this awful... Awful thing to watch. So I do think from a spectacle point of view, getting the defence a little bit further away, people won't have it though because it's it becomes, yeah, they think it starts back, creeping towards rugby league, don't they? If you took it back five metres, which would still be you know a lot less than rugby league, if you took it back five metres, then you'd have your backs have a little bit more time on the ball. Defensive would take that fracture, it would take it longer to get there. But that, that offside line would be, and you wouldn't care if it was three, three four or five metres back, but there would be daylight between the back of a ruck Mm-hmm. And the defensive line, right? So, it, and he knew that if that daylight wasn't there, somebody's clearly offside, right? So, I don't know. It, I, I think the way rugby's changed, the way the defenses have changed, the blitz defense, and they're not much quicker. And, and, and that line defense that was never there back in the day in rugby, right? No. Um, that to take it back five meters, if, if, if you're going to defend like rugby league, there's a reason the rugby league defensive line is ten meters back. It's because when it was the when it was the back foot in rugby league or other play the ball. Nothing happened, right? Because they defend in a line, so they said, "Okay, well, we're going to we're, we're going to get rugby league defence coaches in, like Sean Edwards and everybody else. We're, we're going to defend like rugby league players. We're going to have this line defence. We're going to play blitz. And we're going to play drift. But it's all going to be done in a line. We're going to do these tackle drills and and line defence drills. But then we're going to keep the rugby union laws the same. Well, that's why that's why there's a complete lack of place to space to play, and that's why there's all this shit at the back of the back of the back of the phase play." I don't know. I'm just going off on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that like a couple of years, was it the LVs where they experimented with moving the offside line back? I can't Did remember. They, and then they, they gave up on it. I'm sure there was talk about it, but it well, your seem point, like a really easy solution. But your yeah. point, Mike, is that you, what happens is you get that a lot of the games this week, like you talked about with Wales, France yeah. did the same. It goes... La- because there's not enough space, mm. it goes lateral all the time. It doesn't give anybody any time to actually create a pattern and some depth. So it ends up going white, you know, exactly. hands left, hands right, hands left, hands right. And you get, either you don't go anywhere or you go back five metres and nobody really wants to watch that, you know? Well, we were saying about that one pair of hands, but I mean, it's almost because if the defence is up so quickly off that, off that back foot, which is not even the back foot usually, right, then yeah. what, what are you supposed to do? You know, where's, uh, I don't know. Have you got a one-for-all gift card that you've yet to spend? Treat yourself at any of the 11,000 one-for-all retail partners nationwide before December 31st, and you could win €10,000 in cash. When you spend your gift card, simply visit oneforall.ie forward slash win, and you'll be in with a chance of winning. Terms and conditions apply. One for All. Proud to support Irish businesses. The One for All gift card is issued by GVS Prepaid Europe Limited. GVS Prepaid Europe Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. 
As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Anyway, back in Twickenham. Twickers. Yes. The, uh, the, <laughs> oh, God, Twickers, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, the, uh, see, because I'm from the... No- I, I've said this before, because I'm from... Because I, me mate, me, me mate, who are both from the Northwest, I said, are you going to Twickenham this summer? He said, no, he said, I went last year. And he said, it's 80 quid to go there. And he said, and I just wanted to fucking smack everybody who I, who I was near. <laughs> I, was oh, like, I felt like that. Yeah, well, I understand you feeling like that. We mate who's from Stockport <laughs> felt like that as well. But anyway... <laughs> So oh, well, it's 160 quid, you still want to smack him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, as an England fan, what I will say is this. There was more pattern in the first five minutes of that game than I've probably seen in the last 12 months. Yeah. They were driving yeah. it up quick. The ball was coming out quick. Ben Young's looked reasonable again. There was that lovely miss pass, well, missed two pass, actually, that he threw for Ashton's try. Yes, yeah. Uh, for the first five minutes, they looked pretty good. We've learned some stuff from that game, I think. We've learned a lot about Underhill. But, well, maybe we haven't. Maybe we've just got people to realise that's what he's like. Um, we've learned that probably Mark Wilson is a get, wasn't a flash in the pan last week. I tell you, did well, mate. I, 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 on the other podcast you alluded to at the top of the show, I mentioned that the person I thought there was around who should take a sickie that week. And I said that um, Sinclair should take a sickie because he's against that two on a, I can't pronounce it. Kyle, uh, Kyle, two and a QR. The one who was a, yeah. one who was a bouncer six months ago. Big, big yeah. Kyle. But yeah. um, I thought I, I was gutted that he knocked that ball on near the try lines. I thought he, I thought he had a good game. Yeah. I thought he, he gave a good account of himself for the scrum as well. He's given away like six, seven stone and three inches to that guy, that bloke as well. And I thought, I thought he played well. Um, and he, but he's going to get remembered for that for that drop right on the try line, which is which is unfortunate. But that's just the sport though, isn't it? Yeah, I thought particularly when you said about should England have found their seven again now, surely. Like, yeah, I love it. He's so, like, I'm obviously a bit biased because he was, you know, he made his his name at the Ospreys, but like, he's going to be a hell of a player if he can stay fit because he just, he's everything, he's the perfect seven for England because they don't want a Tipperich sort of Michael Hooper style baller at a seven because if they did, Matt Kvesic would have about 50 caps by now, but. What they want is like a, a big, hard, athletic, good over the ball, strong in the tackle, doesn't shirk his carries, but isn't going to throw a miss two anytime soon kind of guy. And that's Underhill. Like, he's the perfect seven for that England game plan. His turnovers are brilliant. I mean, yeah. He's, he's, he's so hard to get off the ball because he's short. Like, for obviously, by modern rugby standards, he's short. He's only six foot. But because he, he can get down there and he's so hard to shift off that ball once he gets I, onto it. No. I can't think of a, I can't think of a, of a better tackler. In rugby no, that I've he's seen for phenomenally a, good. I can't think. I'd have to. I could sit there and have a think, but off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. Tipperick's as good a tackle. That's true. Yeah, maybe not as not not as powerful in the tackle, but yeah, he's not as destructive yeah. a tackle. Yeah, like yeah. he hits like a fucking train. <laughs> but his but his form is good, and that's the thing that I think is is rare because a lot of players, particularly young back rowers, try to go for the big hit, and they try to sort of you know make a highlight film or whatever. But he hits and wraps, and he rarely misses a tackle. He did. He missed one. A real seems like quite a quite a quiet bloke. Head down, just gets on with it. 
yeah. Magnificent I mean, step on him as well, of course. Oh, that's... St- I mean, it's <laughs> such a shame that wasn't the... Tr- like, for regardless of anything else, he, that is, for making Bowden Barrett look that silly... That was lovely. That the one. in and yeah. out. Oh, wonderful stuff. Goes back to the referee. I mean, it, sh- it should have... I hate to say this. I'll, I'll have to keep my head down in Cardiff, but that should have been a try. <laughs> I don't, I don't rep that stand, but there we go. I said on the t- I said at the time, if, you, if you're going to be absolutely a dick about it, it was probably about six inches offside, I think. Yeah. But if you come back to the clear and op- your point, Mike, about, well, why don't you look at all the other stuff? And yeah. the fact that, the, come back to the empathy point, that that's kind of what happens. And two, um, the clear and obvious thing, to change the on-field, you'd already given it, so to change it, it has to be clear and obvious. So I'm not sure... Yeah, I'm okay, in six boat, you know. really. You couldn't see where the back foot was. I mean, I suspected he was—he was, you know, a foot, a foot or two offside. You couldn't really see where that back foot was. But you win some, you lose some. We got one the week. We got one last week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah but it's, it, it looks better than it. I feel better now, despite it being a loss. I feel better than I have done for a while. The composure no, think... will come. I mean, there's still if we've solved seven after ten years, that makes me happy. <laughs> we just need—we just need to find a twelve now. After twelve, after ten years, yeah, I'm not loving this. I think Benteo, that that's not going to be a long-lived experiment, is it? Really, I just we'll don't see it. Game. I think I losing that game, England losing that game closely on, on the weekend was weirdly will be good for their World Cup, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I said the same thing about with, with the Aussie game with, with Wales. Almost, if we'd lost that game. It wouldn't have bothered me. And I know there's the, the streak would have been whatever, 14 games or whatever. But I think going into a World Cup when, Aust- when Australia's now a group, there's almost that bit about being an underdog and trying to get a bit of revenge. I think at the moment we're above Aussie in the rankings and, and to win that game. So now we go into the World Cup, play Australia as the favourites, seems very strange for me. Yeah, you almost kind of need that. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing about psyches, really, and whether... England will, you know, because they certainly responded better to being underdogs than they did to probably being slight favourites against South Africa the week before. And it's, is this England team better when they're, because Eddie Jones often tries to talk up England and sort of, and I wonder if they actually respond better to being underdogs a little bit in the way that Wales historically always have. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? The, um, what, I was starting to get worried about the World Cup group next year. I know it's a long way off and all that stuff, but the way Argentina were going, if England keep going the way they're going like that and just tighten up some certain <clears> bits <throat> of it, I'm not going to be that frightened to play in Argentina. Oh, God. Which no. I would have been six months ago. No. If you know what I mean. Yeah. It feels like the ship has been righted for the time being, at least. You know, it's. It's almost like James Haskell and Mike Brown being dropped was all that needed to happen to everything to get sorted. <laughs> you shouldn't listen to us a long time ago, shouldn't it? <laughs> I tell you what, speaking of Mike Brown, um, the way that Farrell, Underhill and Ashton conducted themselves after the game, like it's not been unheard of for England players to not be the most gracious of losers over the past couple of years. Not naming names, but definitely speaking of Mike Brown. Um, <laughs> honest, like, the, the, like they would dignified they were philosophical the way like they they weren't winning you know that loss must have been an absolute killer to piss away a 15 point lead like that and they weren't whinging they weren't making any backhanded remarks about the ref they fronted up they accepted the decision with grace 
and they didn't seek to lay the blame anywhere but themselves. And that's really encouraging. Like, I hate when people throw the fucking credit to the sport bollocks around. But honestly, watching it after the game as a neutral, I was like, you know, fair play to them. They could, they must be fucking gutted. Yeah. They are being, they're handling this far, far better than I would. And and far better than players that have occupied that jersey in the past have as well. And, and fair play to them. Also, what I enjoyed last week, not just that, but um, Haskell's was... <laughs> or was uh, did you see that bit on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he, he suddenly became aware of his own voice. And it I seemed couldn't like... stand it. If you listen to this, <laughs> listen to this, you haven't seen that thing with our good friend Haskell. Just, just Google it because it is, it is, uh, it's, worth, it's worth clicking up. So that was England. Uh, New Zealand go to Dublin now. Which yeah. should be, on the face of it, a fucking humdinger. I tell you what, if Ireland didn't seem to be in the midst Although of Although Murray's injured, weird, isn't he? Murray's injured. Yeah. If Ireland didn't seem to be in the midst of having a sort of weird existential crisis themselves for the last couple of weeks, um, I'd say that they'd fucking handle this All Blacks team, to be honest with you. Um, now, I don't know, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? I it's, think without it's, Conor it's... Murray, he's the heartbeat of it, really. Tell you what, mate, if, if the fact that... Yeah, if... New Zealand had lost to England mm. on Saturday. Oh, like, Ireland would have been in for in, in for a in for a bit of a hiding. But as it, as it is, if they play anything like they played against England, even though Ireland haven't been brilliant of late, I think I think Ireland could do well over there. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Ireland, like the fact that Ireland can beat Argentina, probably running at about sixty percent of their usual level, is admirable. I saw impressive. the second half of that game. And they were a lot better. Argentina took only only saw the second half, and Argentina touched the ball, I think, about three times in that <laughs> half, and I think dropped it twice. Unbelievable. It is New Zealand can have a bogey team, but they don't really have one. You know, I think about that game in Chicago um, mm. a couple of summers ago, when when, they, when Ireland beat them. I, I I think they they always not always, but soon in the last few years. Uh, uh, they look like they are concerned, not not scared, are concerned about coming and stuck against the Irish. I think the Irish are one of the teams that really got their got their number, you know. And the Irish are one of the few teams that have that thing of like the All Blacks used to have, where they sub a player on, and you go, "Fucking hell, that boy's not bad, is he? How the hell wasn't he starting?" And there's a lot of there's a produ- seemingly endless production line, particularly a fucking good back row forwards that they will tackle for days and days and days. And I think that does worry Steve Hansen a little bit, and it worries the All Blacks a little bit. It's just a shame, like you say, they're not going to have Conor Murray, they're not going to have Robbie Henshaw, because that's two massive losses. I remember watching uh, watching a club match years ago and just saying, I, I said one of the boys, but I can't believe Easterby's not on the Welsh team. <laughs> 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 He said, what do you mean? I said, he's fucking all over the pitch, mate. He's a fantastic player. He said, he's Irish in print. <laughs> so, I said, is he? I said, I can't believe he's on the Irish team. He said, he's in the Irish team. <laughs> I'm fucking going home. That's <laughs> just giving me coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Is he still defence coach of the island? No, he's not. He was forwards coach for a while, wasn't he? Young yeah, he was. He was coach for a while. I don't know what he's doing there. Yeah, great hair. He did. Not as good as his wife. Massive hair. Sorry, yesterday. Sorry, she's she's mostly hair. I said, yeah, I said, I met her. She seventy percent of her displacement is hair. 
And you know, she's she's more she's even more attractive in real life. Teeny tiny person, even with massive heels on, still a teeny tiny person. Yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. seems like a very nice lady as well when I met her. Yeah, yeah so I'm in Argentina. Argentina again. I just thought, well, I, I keep saying I don't understand it. I do understand it. They're capable of making you go, ooh, about three times. Then you go, oh, well, okay. And that's kind of the end of it. They're also making you go, oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, hey, here's a stat for you. Sorry, we moved off England, but I'm going to go back here. England, mm. New Zealand, right? England, defenders beaten stats. Yeah. England, defenders beaten, 15. Yeah. New Zealand, defenders beaten, 46. Fuck yeah. <laughs> How many of those were just Damien McKenzie just dancing around? <laughs> and then going back and running around them again. <laughs> I read a stat today. Since the IRB have brought in world rankings, uh, New Zealand have been number one for over 85% of the time. <laughs> it doesn't surprise you, does it? I mean, they are the most dominant team in the history of any sport ever, aren't they? Sick of the piss out there. It's a bit boring now, isn't it? it is. I mean, yeah. Did you... I reckon- if Ireland can kick the rust off, and you know they weren't very good, and they were better in that second half, they weren't very good in the first half. I mean, I'm not convinced by either of this from off options, and that alarms me. But they can just, if they do, I'm, you know, I'm no less convinced by fucking Luke McGrath than I am by fucking Ben Youngs most of the time. So Ben Youngs had his one game. He had his one game. His one yeah. game in every six in the first 25 minutes of that game. He couldn't even last the whole game. No, no, but like. Honestly, Ireland have the the firepower to do this. I, I really hope they do. I reckon that when Ireland play New Zealand, there's going to be a there's going to be a dust up. There we go. Yeah. That's my prediction. I remember that Ireland looked much better when the screaming skull came off the bench. Devin Toner. He's weirdly influential, isn't he? Ghost Rider. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was all over the place. He's strangely He's... powerful and athletic. Even you know, and the thing that, and we've talked about this many times, that the thing that baffles me about Devin Turner is that he really wasn't like this before. It was when like, he had hair. He's like yeah, the reverse he, Samson. As soon as you shaved his that, hair off, he became a, an all-powerful like psychopath. Yeah, I don't understand it. Like, how can a man, you know, because how old is Devin Turner? He's got to be like thirty-five now. He's thirty-two. Fuck me, he just looks older. But until he was about twenty-nine, he was bang up. He was just a very tall man. Yeah. He had a touch of the skeletons about him. He's massive. He should be really good. Oh, why is he not good? He's massive. And then all of a sudden, he became this very dynamic, powerful player, didn't he? Yeah. You say he wasn't bad before. He was just... Well, Sheridan, back in the day, Ringham was sort of half that. Because, he, you know, he just never became good. He was always... Just talk about how much you get bench pressed, like it made a fucking difference on a rugby pitch, you know? He was quite possible. Is there anybody been more overrated than Andrew Sheridan as an international oh, forward? 70 kilos. That means nothing, mate. That means yeah. fuck. What's it like yeah. a bench rugby? Oh, he can, he can lift as much as an elite power lifter. Yeah, yeah. but he can't That's fucking play rugby for shit. Yeah. There's no, like there's no great recommendation in out-scrummaging Matt Dunning. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I could out-scrummage Matt Dunning, probably. <laughs> Yeah, he's a fantastic backstroker. That means nothing, mate. <laughs> right, so that was Ireland-Argentina. Very comfortable, like you said, comfortable win for Ireland in sort of the second gear, really. Didn't even look like they were trying. Yeah. Uh, France and Africa. Now, this was a good game. 
It was a very good game, a surprisingly good game, because I thought the story was shit. I didn't see that game. I didn't. I haven't yet to see that. I've got that on record. It's so, a, it's worth watching, Mike. It's, it's, it's yeah. a, a proper but some powerful lads, powerful lads some, running into each other on that in, on that pitch. Some big men having big collisions, and That's a true. man with a silly haircut running, or two men with silly haircuts running the entire show. <laughs> it was, yeah. Weirdly, so, South Africa were dreadful until Faf started being Faf again in the second half. In the first that, half, when he box kicked the shit out of everything and made me want to cry, <laughs> it was awful. And then as soon as he actually just started doing what Faf does, which is buzzing around the back and making people think, it became a much better game and his team became much better. No, I think we, you know, we said last week after that South Africa, after the England game, like how absolutely essential Faf de Klerk is to the Springbok everything. And yeah, you put him back in the team. Yeah, it takes him a little while to get back into the rhythm of things, but once he does, God, all of a sudden they're fucking brilliant again. Was Serge uh, Black there? Well, he would have been there if he could pull yeah. him away from the foie gras <laughs> table, yeah. Well, he's a big boy these days, isn't he? He didn't come, it, back he? A, didn't come back after half-time. I mean, the he put 15 the stone on within eight <laughs> hours of retiring, Serge Blanco. I bet, I bet he's one of them as well, Serge. I bet he's that big, but he's probably still quite nippy. Do you know those people he's who never probably, quite lose their light, pace? He's probably light on his feet. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely quick for a for a for a clinically American man myself. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you do you startle people in the fathers' race at Sports Day, Mike? I, I, I won the last two uh, the last two fathers' races, but um, nice. I turned my turned my baseball cap back to front for the one, so I to, 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 to sort of decrease drag, which. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few rights, but but I weighed I weighed a week and a half ago, and I was uh, I was thought I was about eighteen stone. I, I knew I was out of shape, and I weighed at the gym, and I was nineteen stone nine, which which for me, I'll be honest, is is exceptionally fat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's you roughly... put on your website, Mike, Mike Bubbins, exceptionally fat. Uh, I mean, that's got to be like sixty percent of a Serge Blanco these days, you know? Maybe... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, awful. The difference is that Serge Blanco, when he was playing, weighed about 11 stone. I keep doing that thing at the minute where you stand face onto the mirror and go, well, that's all right. And then you turn, and the, as soon as oh. you get to that, you go, whoa, fucking hell, I'll have to turn back because side on it gets much worse. <laughs> the worst was I got to take a photograph of the, of the, of the kids and go to school or whatever, and I've left it on reverse camera by mistake. Oh, one of the worst. <laughs> yeah. And I get an early morning glimpse of my fucking double chin on my stubble. It's horrific. <laughs> to be fair about you did strip to your speedos on national television did you take a lot of convincing to do that were you like yeah fuck it let's go for it well, that was my idea they said the, 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 the script said that I was supposed to be in short they said do you mind wearing shorts I said why is that they said well, your wife's gonna you're late for a meeting uh, you Skype her she sees your shoulder and luckily luckily they, it wasn't real Skype they um, <laughs> so, they said she sees your shoulders and works out that you're having a suntan or a fake tan down I said, that's going to be a lot funnier if I'm in speedos, not shorts. I said, it'll be funnier if I drop the phone and you see my basically my speedos and my cock and balls. <laughs> so, so if you don't mind doing that, that'd be brilliant. I said, okay, superb. So, uh, no, that was my idea. That, that was my uh, job for that. Did you, that but, did you come home after watching it and throw everything out of your fridge and say, this is it from now on sort of thing? Cause they got... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I hadn't seen it for a while, but I watched it again about two weeks ago. I thought, shit, and I went back. And that's when I went. <laughs> and I went to go and weigh. That's when I weighed that Friday. I thought, oh my God, 19 stone nine. That's horrendous. 
Well, we're all That's pulling for you, mate. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, so how did France lose that game is the big question. Absolutely um, staggering. Cause... I like to think it's because that fucking shirt of theirs looks really shit. And I just think karmically, nobody can encourage that level of bad. It looks like... They... I don't see the shirt. What's the shirt look? It's, it's it's back to the old sort of um, royal blue sort of colour, isn't it? The kind of the, the brighter blue. It is the navy. It's got a weird. It looks like a late nineteen nineties Pepsi can. It does a bit, doesn't it? And it's got a necessarily big like placket bit at the front that sort of makes them look all it like. It could have been so good. Yeah, it's almost a really good shirt. Do you know what I mean? But they've kind of ruined it by having this. They've got one. So I just had a marking idea. Right, the last five seconds. Right, I'm a big NFL fan. Mm. They do these throwback jerseys and they play one game a season at least in the in their in an old kit. Right. I know where you're going, Mike, and I'm so on board. Continue. <laughs> it would be great job, like a vintage, like for one of the internationals. You've got to wear your throwback jersey. So Wales would wear the old three feathers. France got that beautiful blue, just a plain white collar on the on the big, you know. Um, yeah, definitely. Or the Entomac period one with the with the with the hoops on the arms. I quite like that one. Oh yeah. You could pick. You could pick, couldn't you? You know, it'd be oh man. That's Do you remember? Was it with the hundred twenty fifth anniversary of the RFU or whatever, where England wore those very very plain old school shirts for one game with against the big Wales? Square I think. On. Yeah, yeah. With the big, Look, big square badge on. It looked fantastic. More of that shit, please. Yeah, not the sight fitness stuff with no collars, like a proper shirt once a year. Yeah, proper collars. Sorry, yeah. long story short, France beat 22 defenders in that game compared to South Africa's eight. They were all yes. over them. They were up yes. with God knows how much time left. And then South Africa basically managed to win it in the 84th minute. Yeah. By coming back. By like, I mean, just relentlessly just being But South make Africa no bones about it. about it, France absolutely fucked that game. Yeah. No, there was no way on earth that should have been. How what was the score like? Twenty five, twenty six, twenty nine. Yeah, and it was twenty six three at half time or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? It was pretty. It was it was pretty big spread. It's yeah, fucking awful. And they they keep doing that, like no matter who the coach is. <laughs> Jacques Brunel's like, France... face was absolutely blinded at the end. Well, yeah, he was stood like a disappointed cartoon French policeman. At the end, such as his face. It's, it's, it's all he knows. It's a cliche, it's a stereotype, isn't it? But I, I, how can like a little strip of water make all that much difference? Because I, I do think that, the Fran- that France, if they do go down, don't react well to it. And, and if and if if they start playing poorly, a French crowd will turn on, on its own team. It's a strange, it's a strange sort of facet of, of French rugby, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's just it's, it must just obviously obviously it is a different culture. They're French, but there's something about you don't get our undying acclaim. No, you know if you're shit, yeah. then why the hell should we bother with you? Sort of thing. Because and I actually agree with that. Because loads of people get really shirty, don't they? When if you go and watch your own team and boo them or or say he's shit, and people go you shouldn't do that. So why not? I've paid me money. He's quite clearly playing shit. I'm going to say so. Same as the respect the kicker bollocks. It's, it's our own game. You know well, I mean? doesn't let in. Ref- you, you, there's no silence for a line out throw, is there? Exactly. To respect, <laughs> to respect the kicker, you know. What I mean? Yeah. 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 So. My dad. My by the way, my dad. If my dad's listening to this, which he does as well, he'll, he'll hate that I said that. He, he was. He's very much old school with the old respect the kicker bit. So sorry, dad, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but I, you're wrong. <laughs> and I've never forgiven you for making me put peas on my broken knee that time or whatever it was. You made. <laughs> very quickly, Scotland beat Fiji. Yeah. And it was very convincing. So I suppose on that level, Scotland have come a long way to where they were some few years back. Absolutely. And I've got, like, fair play to them because that was what they were. Were they very nearly drawing at halftime or something like that? And a couple of years ago, Scotland would have got sucked into playing the Fijians. In You know, they would have, they tried to turn that into a sevens extravaganza on Saturday afternoon. And a couple of years ago, Scotland would have got sucked into that and probably lost. When they go, they're still fucking amazing. Fucking hell, they're incredible to watch. Just literally, I could watch him play rugby all day long. But Finn Russell, Finn Russell did exactly the right thing and just kicked to the corner. He's becoming quite the, the player, piece. Finn Russell. He absolutely is. The batshit Finn's gone. Finn's sanity is gone and the sensible one is back. <laughs> 80% possession Scotland had. So on that score, they yeah. should have won that. But... I think Scotland, they're an example of how regional rugby can work. Right? They've only got the two teams up there, but I mean... Their club rugby, that, that the Edinburgh Glasgow thing, all feeds into the Scotland side. You know, there's, you, there's you, a real side now, isn't it? Yeah, and there seems to be a real sort of Scottish way of doing things, which is evident the way the clubs play and it goes into the national team. And, I just, and they're very sort of Scottish-based teams. I know it sounds daft, but I mean, when they started the regions, to go back to Wales again, when they started the regions, it was supposed to be. You know, we're going to ditch the Wales A team. We bring the regions in. This is going to feed into the Welsh team. This is all about the national side. It didn't. It wasn't that for long. You know. Um, no, and they've spent they spent such a long time trying to get it back to yeah. that sort of job. And you look at you know the most successful teams around. You know, Ireland. Everything is is sort of the top of the pyramid is leading up to the Irish team. And there's a sort of certain level of cooperation there. The All Blacks. Everybody plays the same thing. And, a good, and the thing about Scotland is they get a lot of bad... People are kind of obsessed with this kind of Bertha movement thing, where they're, they're <laughs> obsessed with... It might, it's a bit like Welsh football. There's a particular type of journalist that's obsessed with where players are born, isn't it? And, and it's the same with the Scottish rugby team. There's certain types of journalists who are obsessed with where people are born. And then you look at the Scotland team and look at who they've brought through. Yeah. You know, they've brought the Hastings through, Russell through, Laidlaw through, Ali Price has come through, Kinghorn's come through. There's so many of these players, the Grey brothers that they're, bring, that they're bringing through. And even if they haven't quite brought them all through, they've picked them up at the age of 20 and brought them through their system. They need to, you know, fuck off. Yeah, it doesn't matter, mate. It's that, that's all usually thinly veiled racism anyway. They can just fucking do it. Like Bundyaki, yeah. Nobody yes. said a word yeah. until the brown person started playing for Ireland and then everyone was unhappy. Fucking unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, on that note, shall we move on to the shit good races from the weekend? Let's do it. Yes, yeah, let's do that. What have we got? That should we should we do good first? Good. Reese not gets in touch on Twitter and he said good was Mike Bubbins singing his intro to BBC Fighting Talk. It was good the man. best thing any Welsh rugby player did at the weekend. I agree with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> do you, are you still a, are you still playing for Barry uh, Vets? I'm not. Well, just funny enough, we just had an email today about going to Beauvais in May, so that's good, that's all I'm on again. So I'll, I'll I'll probably give you like a I'll, I'll Skype you from from France. Yeah, on the Saturday night about half ten. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> we definitely get on. Yeah, so that's that's all. Go. I'm still playing veterans. Yeah, still still playing. What else? What have we got that's good? Are we are we uh, picking uh, on this people? Yeah, uh, shout one uh, out. Yeah. 
I'll tell you which good, and he's been good for the last two weeks. John Bloody Davis is a breath of fresh air to have back in that Wales team. Like defensively, like they are a different side within there. Like obviously he's a great tackler, he's got great awareness, but he organises everything better than anybody but Jamie Roberts has, to be honest. And you kind of you forget how much better Wales are defensively with him in it, but he's really shown that over the last two weeks. Well then. I agree, and I'll say the shit then, which I hate to say, uh, would be Lee Halfpenny for me. Yeah, what was going on there? I just think he's lost it as a counter-attacker. I, don't, I think you can see in his eyes, he's just that confidence is gone. His place-kicking was fucking awful. I mean, the one kick especially, on a tight game like that, you know. Um, and there's, there's really no excuse that, you know, in, on that stadium with, 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 the, with the roof closed and the, the state that pitch is in, to miss that kick there was, was bad. He's still a good defender, still, you know, defensively positions himself well, but I thought offered nothing in, in counter-attack and didn't didn't kick his kicks. And that's the thing with Arv, like, you know you're going to get a certain level of limited, like, attacking threats from half-penny. He's, you know, he's, he's been clearly working on it with the Scarlets, but he's still not at the level of Liam Williams or anyone else. But he's picked to defend and kick his goals, and if he's not kicking his goals... Exactly. You know, it's... Hopefully it's a yips and it's a it's a little blip in what's you know otherwise he's the most accurate goal kicker in the world this year but yeah that can't carry on history he's has shown a... it never lasts very long this slight problem with his kicking and he has had it before no. he has had, yes, the, he's game, had the, yip, so. he's yeah. the yips in the past I'm sure but... it'll be fine next week or the week after but I mean if we're talking about last weekend it was he was, uh, oh, he right, was yeah. Yeah. well yeah. below his normal standard he's what I got as good Arthur Iteria the French yes. back rower who is yes, an ugly, nasty man in a scrum cap, <laughs> which is basically what all back rowers should be in my book, and he's absolutely perfect. He also managed to execute a beautiful spiral kick at one point as well, just to really take the piss. I've got a lot but of his energy, and he's a bit that. like Underhill, he's a, com- you know, those back rowers that are a complete shithouse in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Richard Hill was like that, quietly just a total shit shitbag. But yeah. never going over the line with it, you know. Just must have been horrific to play against. Absolutely Dan, horrific to play Dan against. Dan Lydia is basically the modern version of that, isn't he? In that he never really gets himself into trouble. Dan Lydia. He's obviously, yeah, yeah, he's obviously a horrible fucker to play against. The Welsh back row put in a lot of tackles this weekend. Yeah. A lot of tackles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a quality back row. We got, we got good depth there as well. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's a strength, yeah. you see. Uh, Speaking so of, of of non Lydia fifteen arsehole. tackles, Tipperick twenty tackles, Moriarty fifteen tackles. So we missed that. We missed that sort of uh, Salupi Falatel because we didn't have anything going forward. Yeah, Falatel pick and go and, and get us on the front foot a bit and get a bit of quick ball out. We we missed that. That's the one facet that Moriarty was. I was surprised Moriarty hasn't done more of yeah. in his first two games. He's supposed to be the hard carrying guy. And yeah. he hasn't shown any kind of destructive carrying ability, which Wales still lack and have lacked for a very long time. I think it would be dangerous to get him to believe the press on that too much. Because yeah. when he pops up in the 12 channel in midfield, he's 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 lovely with the ball, Ross Moriarty. Yeah, he is. He, he, he is. passes well, he's comfortable with it. And I think if he gets too sucked in to believe, you know, the, the kind of family name and I'm the hard bastard and I carry, which he should do. It's part of his job. 
but it would be a shame if, if that's became that became a sole focus of, of his game because he's actually a lovely rugby player, Ross Moriarty. Yeah, I, I do. And you look at his social media and you think, you know, he obviously loves being part of the Moriarty fucking hoodlums club and and you absolutely fucking would in his position of course you would but i know what you're saying you know he is for all of the brilliance of his dad and his uncle he is a different fucking animal to both of them in terms of his actual pure rugby ability he's not just a fucking hard bastard he's a hard bastard who's quick as fuck who's got rugby intelligence who can hit a line really nicely and it'd be nice to see him do more of that for Wales as well. What else you got that's good, Josh? We need to motor through these now. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, Ryan Crotty, probably the world's most unfashionably excellent player. Like, and the only person fashion- with a reasonable fucking haircut. <laughs> yes. Which I've got a lot um, of time for. I, I, that's the thing. That's him to a T though, isn't he? He's the <laughs> yes, only one there yeah. who's just going, just have a short back and size, please. Yeah, um, in and out in 15 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, like the All Blacks are at least 20% better with him on the field. because, And he really looks good. Like, he rarely is flashy in any way. Yeah. But he makes everyone else around him better. He's Conrad Smith, isn't he? Yeah, Conrad he is. 2.0. I got another good mate. Yeah. I mentioned him earlier, Carl. I can't say his last name. The, um, <laughs> big, big Carl. <laughs> big Carl. Yeah. What, what a moustache. Oh, it's an incredible moustache. That's not a Movember one, is it? That's been going for quite no, a bit. like yours, Mike. You know what I mean? None of, this, none of your that's... fucking new. Uh, November things. Absolutely, I, I, it's a wonderful moustache. That, that's 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 a good for me. I, I imagine you know because Carl, as we we've discussed on the podcast before, was was working the doors. He was twenty-seven in, stone on the door. Yeah, working to a twenty-seven stone on. I, I imagine him with that moustache, but twenty-seven stone on the doors in an Auckland nightclub. Oh, I mean, everyone's behaving themselves that night, aren't they? Yeah. Surely, what wonderful. A, story. What a story, though. Not oh, even yeah. a press, not even a rugby contract. What eight months ago is it? Now he's all black. Twenty five yeah. now. He, he looks older because of the moustache, but he's twenty five. Yeah, two two years ago he was he was working in security. Amazing. It, yeah, but probably my favourite story from rugby this year, actually. Absolutely. Who else uh, we got? That's uh, good. Uh, good. Good. We haven't spoken about it, but Italy. Yes. Improving a point. Yes. We are better than Georgia. Can we please stop talking about this now? Yes. No, they don't deserve a place in the Six Nations. We aren't as bad as you think we are. Go away now, is basically what they did on the weekend. Plus, you mentioned before, imagine, I mean, you know, trying to swing a a trip away to to the rugby with your wife to Rome. Quite nice. Yeah. Georgia. (laughs) What's Tbilisi like in February? (laughs) it doesn't sound like it'll be very good uh, what else have we got that's good uh, Ombanambi the South African replacement hooker who came on and every time they had a line out after time had gone he nailed every single throw that then led to them winning in the 84th minute it was a, a magnificent performance and he was the guy who did the overthrow in the uh, Australia South Africa game which they lot in the pissing rain in the rugby championship where he overthrew on his own line and Tamua just literally scooped it up and ran oh god yeah, it was, sco- yeah he was that, that guy so he's been fucking working on that he has been fair play to him. maybe should have a word with Jamie George more of that later good for me as well <laughs> Josh Adams in a game where nothing much was happening he was trying his hardest. He was working he? very, very hard. I'll say that for him. I kind of like Josh Adams because I think he's really chuffed to be there. <laughs> and, he's, I mean, and that's not a criticism no. of him or anything. There's something nice about a player who's that 
chuffed to be there. Well, it's his players that, you know, Adams would basically, you know, he'd been ditched by the Scarlets. He went off to play for Worcester. They sent him out on loan to places. You know, he basically thought this whole rugby thing was probably winding down, you know? He was a, he was there as a fan last year. And, yeah, he was, wasn't he? You know, I love, I love that shit. I love a good as well. Um, uh, Sean Edwards, mm. Welsh defensive coach. I thought, I thought for all the woes we had with the ball in our hands on the weekend, I thought the defence was excellent. And you could see what it meant to him at the end of that game. You know? He loved it. He loved it being trialist, didn't he? It was, you know, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see how much he. Well, I hope he really winds Rob Alliel. <laughs> I, I don't think Sean Edwards. I've done, I've done, I've done my fucking job, Rob. <laughs> you do fucking yours. <laughs> I don't think Sean Edwards has ever met anybody that he hasn't wound up in some way, shape, or form, and that's probably to Off his Wigan, of course. Indeed, I, I. It feels like he wants Pie to go out. Bastard. <laughs> Is this a rugby league thing? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yes, yeah. it feels like he really wants to go out with his reputation firmly cemented, because ever since it was announced that he was off to Wigan, Wales's defence has got remarkably decent again. And after there's been some chat about Farrell being the best defensive coach in the world, I think, I think not there is that. And it's bothered him, and he's saying, "I'm going out of here regarded universally as the best fucking defence coach in the world." And revolutionised Welsh defence. Yeah, it's so weird to think now that. Do you remember what he did to Ian Goff's career? Remember Ian Goff before Sean Edwards came along. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't a terrible player, but do you know what I mean? I mean, Ian Goff no. was like night and day when he was playing under, under yeah. Sean Edwards. Right, what else have we got that's good off Twitter? We've got Gareth Price gets in touch. He said, I'm not sure if this is shit or good, but Alan Wynne Jones' bloody nose bogey getting worse and worse and worse and nearly drop, dripping on Sonia McLaughlin in the interview <laughs> after the match was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Scott McEwen gets in touch and said, Good is that the man of the match award for Scotland Fiji was a can of tenants in a glass box. I mean, that's <laughs> for Sam Simmons. Brilliant. Welcome to Scotland. The only Welcome way that Scotland, pal. Yeah. The only way that could have been better is if it was a can of super tenants in a glass box. It's just a syringe of heroin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and linked to that, Bacon Cobb got in touch and said that Sam Skinner was uh, awesome on his, yes. on his Scotland debut versus Fiji. Uh, what else is good? James Reese gets in touch and he said, good was Nicky Smith, who was outstanding at the breakdown this weekend. Yeah, it's been very, like... Got a good I couple of open sides. Uh, open sides. Um, Lou said I there. Still, I still think Rob Evans is a better player, but he is really stepping up this autumn and it's really good to see because Wales, historically... The second our one good prop gets injured, everything has gone to fucking shit. So it's nice to have two good props to get injured, you know? <laughs> Tim Colton got in touch and said, it was good that England's showing it is possible to prevent the 60-minute soul split, the 15-minute soul splinter from the All Blacks on the hour. Sort of a 40-minute soul splinter there, wasn't it? It was, yeah. But they didn't, they but didn't yes, manage I, to do that thing where they score no, four they, tries they, in no, 12 minutes. They, did they didn't blow anybody away, no. And I think that's a... It's a sign for everybody else that there's this bit of a... They're beatable. They are beatable. Let's do shit. Let's. Camille Lopez. Um, fucking hell. <laughs> Shambles. Remember when he, like... He's got about as much off. direction and control as a soft-boiled egg being thrown down some stairs. And the thing is, he's supposed to be the sane one. 
of all of the mad French outside halves that they've got used from. <laughs> this the is why they keep going back to Trent. This is why they keep going back to Trent Duke. No matter what they try, all roads lead back to Francois Trent Duke. It's true because there's just no like he's supposed to be the com- like the sensible <laughs> composed one that fucking wins the league and plays for Claremont and he's meant to like. This is why they threw. This is why they threw Matthew Jalabert in, but he was barely out of yes. nasties last year, and he's been injured ever since. Yeah, it's like for God's sake, someone's got to be good. I'd never it's... noticed before till I watched this game at the weekend how much Damien Penno is a fucking ringer for his dad. Remember Alan Penno, who played, he played yes, outside yeah. for France in the nineties. He's an honest to God, a clone carbon copy of him. It's incredible. Speaking of a... France, another shit. He was shit, mate. He was shite. But speaking <laughs> speaking of other shit, Gail Ficku, who for some reason had a go at place kicking at the weekend. And it was like somebody put a club foot at the end of a baseball bat and hoped that it would go well. It had the, a sort of weird testimonial vibe about it, didn't it? Like his it's run-up like, no, was no, no, wrong no. and everything, just everything about it was wrong. And he, he kind of, but weirdly launched it about three miles, but it just went about yeah. two miles and that was wide, so... It's was like, he going to kick her off? Why was he kicking her? I thought it was Saran was kicked. Saran was kicked. I think he was a, a bit yeah. out of Saran's range, was he? It was I think like, he was it... like, I could do this <laughs> in the same way that <laughs> somebody, anybody who's never tried something in their life before could look at something and go, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. No. I could no, lay bricks, yeah. Because of job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it, he was looked like he'd never kicked a goal in his life. Gethin Jenkins kicked his missed conversion in his final game last weekend much better, with much more technique. It was weird. Yeah, it, it was awful. It was like a toe bunger. It was horrendous. Yeah, <laughs> Funny, though. It looked like I was doing it, to be honest. Actually, if you go on Talupe Falatau's Instagram, yeah. which you may or may do, uh, his son, that must be about two and a half, maybe three now. Um, Is he playing props video- under 12s already? No, he was, he was uh, rugby tots, obviously, this weekend, and he, a video of him kicking a goal. And honestly, better than me. Definitely better than Guile Thicu. <laughs> you know, absolutely smashed it through the middle of the uprights. Beautiful lift on it. Yeah, he's what two. We, what else have we got to shit? Uh, it gives me no pleasure to say this, but it does a little bit. Jordan Lama, right? Look, last week, everybody was fucking rightly creaming their pants about how brilliant he looked against Italy. But, like, if you're going to give a shit about him... Like and lose your shit about him looking like Christine Cullen last week. You've got to come back down to earth and point out when his flaws get exposed, which fucking hell, Argentina did a number on him. Like, he had no space to use his pace of footwork. He had an absolutely torrid time under the highball. Like, obviously, you'll learn from it, but it was a, a, a reminder that fucking hell, these, you know, 19, 20 year old kids that have never played test rugby before do need a bit of fucking time to bed in. Hmm. What else have I got this shit? John Beatty. Commentator on the Scotland match. He's, he seems like a nice guy, John B. Lovely genuinely. man. Lovely man. Uh, but he's such an odd commentator. Everything is brilliant at every point in the game. My particular favourite was when he said the crowd, the Scottish crowd can't believe what they're seeing here when Fiji went 3 0 up with the penalty after five minutes. <laughs> I think <laughs> they probably. I think they, I could, they could probably stretch the limits of their, <laughs> yeah. their a, cognitive got, abilities there. I've got a great shit which you may you may agree with, right? I'm all for the referees being uh, mic'd up mm. with so, so so that if there's a big decision, we know what's going on, right? We yeah, can, we can hear what it's about. That's fine. 
Why they leave those mics open all game? And you try to give a rugby, and all you can hear is him saying, "Get move away, six, move away, six. Yeah, don't, really, Maloney, get back, get back, get back. You know what I'm saying? Leave that, leave that as a rug foot. Fucking hell, Do, we don't need it on all the time, right? It should be. I'll mention the NFL again, right? If he's called a penalty, then by all means, turn it on, click, click the microphone on, and say, "Not rolling away, penalty, whatever." Right? So we know why why the penalty's been awarded. Do we need a running commentary? Because and some referees love the sound of their own voice. They don't shut up for eighty minutes. They're I, don't know, I don't know who you could be talking about there, Mike. But, uh, <laughs> but it's um, and also it just reminds me even more and winds me up even more about why do you keep telling them these things? Yeah, I don't play rugby. <laughs> if they fuck up, they penalise Right? That's that's not your job. Your job's not to your job's not to not to make them not fuck up. Your job is. <laughs> <laughs> Carried back in the twenty two is my worst one. Taken back in. Why the fuck are you telling them that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't run, you don't run around giving them other advice, you know. The, the, when I'm playing, the, the, he doesn't fucking say you gotta cut down on your, on your fucking carbs, mate, and do, and do a bit of cardio, right? <laughs> Just let me get on with it. I know I'm I know I'm overweight, I'll deal with that myself. I know <laughs> I, I can see with the fucking twenty two is and if you can't, then you deserve to be penalised. Is that thing? Is it? You know, if you don't yeah. know where you're on the pitch. And uh, even if you're telling the players that shit fucking incessantly, why do we need to hear on the fucking TV? What? Oh, I'm, I'm sworn too much, but it really won't. Be. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I. What else you got to share? Honestly, uh, look, we don't often get to say this, so I'm going to enjoy saying it. Johnny Sexton had a fucking stinker on the weekend. Like his kicking out of hand was terrible. His decision making was he was just running down blind alleys and passing to the wrong people. Like it was weird because he never does that anymore. And he's probably going to be fucking brilliant next week as a result of it. But for one for one week, it's nice to see fucking Sexton looking human again. What have I got that shit? Jamie George, bless him. <laughs> to be honest with you, line outs. Actually, yeah, generally just speaking, line, line outs were pretty appalling all weekend. Appalling. Yeah. Like I did a little mini celebration at about thirty-five minutes when Wales for, for actually completed a fucking line out on their own throw. Like the Australian hooker was fucking appalling. Jamie George was all over the shop. It's like this shouldn't be this hard. It is. Re- I, I've said it. We've said it on here, and I said it again on Twitter the weekend. It is inexcusable in this day and age where you are full-time professionals and you can lift people off the ground to actually lose line outs in any consistent way Agreed. it's inexcusable yeah. when it was just a chuck it in and everyone tries to jump off the ground as best they can <clears> and slap <throat> at it that was a lottery then pretty much yeah but uh yeah, yeah. it's not it's, if, if a darts player can earn a, th- a third of that money and hit something the size of a postage stamp right <laughs> you should be able to hit a, a fucking six foot ten bloke's hands yeah, five meters away. <clears throat> when yeah. he's being lifted up by another six foot ten bloke, yeah. and so he's a full twenty feet off the ground. It's yeah. Somebody on Twitter said, and I can't remember what it is, and it's a good point actually about Jamie George. That actually some of the blame has to go to Itoji. He was he was consistently calling a line out to himself. Yeah, even though Ritalik <laughs> quite obviously had him in his pocket at the line out. Jumping, but he was but he was jumping behind him as well. Yeah, that's the other thing. Why was he trying to why is he getting that one step in to get in front of him? Or just calling it to the middle jumper. It's really odd. It's Agreed. it was it was very it was a very Itoji kind of game on the weekend, wasn't it? What else we got a shit? Uh I oh Liam Squire speaking of that game. Like 
I don't really get him. Like, what's he do? Because he doesn't really, he's not lucky with the ball. He doesn't tackle that well. He doesn't carry that well. He doesn't look good enough for the All Blacks. And, like, when you think about, like, who they used to play six for the All Blacks, you know, fucking Jerome Kino is now at Toulouse. Like, they, they really miss a bastard like that in the back row, you know? Squire and, looks like a bastard. Squire he just looks doesn't like a end up being and enough he's got of an yeah. Olympically bad haircut. But that doesn't cover it. Metallic's the, the same, man. What is it with this <clears throat> 1970s Hell's Angel look that they're going for? With a shabby and then the then the <laughs> No, it's <laughs> No, I mean the shabby with the with the mullet at the back. It looks like it should be on a trike. Nothing wrong with that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, what else have we got this shit from Twitter? Alvaro gets in touch. Yeah, it was Alvaro who said it's uh, it's it's Maritoje Connellinas to himself, it's like being marked out of it by the ghost-eyed tree trunk with a mullet that is a Brody Retallick. Brody Retallick, is there, has any man ever looked less like a world-class rugby player than Brody Retallick? He looks like the bloke who's... He looks like the third that's, bloke that gets... Think of that, that's a good question, that. He looks yeah. like the third bloke that gets sent down when your printer still isn't working. Well, That's what Brody Retallick looks like. Before the last World Cup, I went to an Adidas thing with the All Blacks, I think I mentioned in the past, and like... They, they, the All Blacks players were like mingling with the proles, and genuinely, Brody Retallick wears glasses when he's not on the field, and he looked like he'd come down from IT. So it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> he genuinely, I genuinely, if he wasn't for the fact that he's like six foot ten, I would have assumed that he was one of the fucking proles like the rest of us. He's the weirdest, most unrugby player looking rugby player I've ever seen. Yeah, like one, yeah, I'm trying to think. But yeah, world class, no. When like R.L. Thomas played for Wales. Hmm. Like I, th- I think I weighed three times as much as R.L. Thomas. <laughs> it looked like a boy who just wandered into the changing room. But I mean, he was, he was. I would, I'm trying to think that's a good question, man. There's got to be somebody that looks less like a rugby player than him. But I can't think, he's probably a Kiwi. Because they kind of that's Devin kind of Toner's up there. Devin Toner, Devin Toner is he looks up like there, a provincial actually, yeah. accountant. Mm. Back in the day, I mean, way back in the day, Bastien when he played for France had a wonderful sort of Bobby Charlton, completely bald head, but with long sides. Yeah, that was very much the thing. Then I don't know. I don't know. John Taylor did almost like a rugby player when he played no, going back no. in the day. Andrew Sheridan looked like a fucking powerlifter. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Corey didn't look much like a rugby player. Martin Corey did. He's big though, but yeah, a bit too nice and too kindly eyes. Yeah, he looks like he should be showing you around a sort of three-bedroom semi, you know? (laughs) What else we got in shit? Maria Adust got in touch on Twitter and said, shit was the weather at the game on Saturday. Incredibly, I'm assuming assuming she means Twickenham. Yeah, that was ridiculously wet. Really bad. Kyle Walsh gets in touch on Twitter. He says, shit, is there not been enough money in the Pro 12 to keep one of his best players? Obviously, that's Stuart Hoggy talking about. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to do... Well, Glasgow gutted. But from a Scotland point of view, him going to have a season or however many seasons there in Exeter will do you the world of good, I think. And also, Exeter obviously using... They, they don't have to pay salary cap for him, so they can literally pay him anything they want. And... That's not a game anybody really needs to start getting into, given that rugby can't fucking afford to pay for itself for them anymore. Well, Exeter won't—they're one of those clubs that won't go in the red either. They're, they're... Yeah, exactly. The Exeter have got the money, to, you know. Exeter and yet, still keep winning. Yeah, they, but they—they've had a policy since day one 
have always operated the black. They they won't. Yeah, won't they're go. the only team that does. Yeah. But you know, Glasgow. There's no sense in a team in the Pro 12 like Glasgow or like the SRU paying Stuart Hogg 750 grand a year and putting themselves in the red for it when you know it doesn't affect him. You know, to give, to give you a comparison, Rochdale Football Club has that rule, and they're firmly rooted in the shit end of English football. So the <laughs> fact that um, and yeah, yet still managed to get fucking us relegated yeah. last year, the bastards. Anyway, um, Geraint Jeremy gets in touch. He said, "Shit is Sean Holly's poor commentating on the France versus South Africa match, particularly the point when he apologised for Nigel Owens using the Welsh language." Fucking <laughs> hell! Because Nigel Owens, actually, the, the South African conditioning coach, is a Welsh speaker from Clandovery. And, and him and Nigel were caught having a bit of a gas, uh, gas about something off camera. And Sean Holly did say, oh, I apologise, you might have heard a language you've never heard before. So why are you apologising <laughs> for it? How is odd. It? It's, like, it's not like he said fuck or bugger, is it? You know. You don't know. We don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, might well have. Yeah. What makes me laugh about Sean... Does Sean Holly talk like that all the time? I, I, I worked with Sean about a month ago. I tell you, Sean's a, he's a really funny bloke. And he's a, he's a, he's a good after-dinner... Rugby speaker. Um, oh, we know. Yeah. But, but he also, and then I just thought, it, it he'd done about an hour anyway, and it was very good. And then he got a guitar out, you know, Lee Calvert style. And just, <laughs> I think you'll find I do it Sean Holly style, but yeah. And drop, and like, Sean Holly style sounds like something absolutely deviant, and I don't want to talk about it. He's blocked me on Twitter. Sean? Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Has he? Yeah. But he is, he was, he's just, he's very, very animated and loud. He's a bit, he's got the Scott Hastings thing going on. It's like, just, yeah. just calm it down a minute. It's, it's fine. Yeah. But at least I got the, I got the idea that Sean knows what he's on about, whereas Scott is like just a hundred percent enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scott's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? The shit on Twitter. Joe Taring says shit is possibly slightly harsh, but Ardy Surveyor. Is he actually any good or just useful for a highlight reel of smashing into lightweight and unsuspecting domestic players? Flat track bully, discuss. We have had this discussion. We have had this very discussion, Joe, yeah. I have not seen him look that good very often in an All Blacks jersey. He he always gets much fanfare when he comes off the bench, usually, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Oh, here he comes, and then you don't notice him for the rest of the game. He's a textbook great athlete. Not sure he's much of a rugby player sort of thing. And because he's Julian's brother, everybody assumes he must be good. Do you remember when uh, when Delalio went went off went away and, with his various injuries and came back, not having taken growth hormone for about nine months, about three. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, Priest don't have your ball. Remember when that when that happened? Um, <laughs> when he came back and he was just this big non-steroid using freak, right? He he was his rugby went to rat shit, but there was such an aura around him. The people always just stuck a microphone in his face straight away. They come with a big lull to get on there. Then the crowd went nuts for him. And he was rubbish. For the last like two seasons of his career, I'm not saying he wasn't a great player when he, at his peak, but for the last couple of seasons, I was like, my God, are you watching the same game I'm watching? He's not doing anything at all. He got in the 2007 England World Cup. He talked his way into that squad. Oh, because of exactly what you've just said, because he was who he was and his aura, <laughs> and he had mates in the media, and he talked yeah. his way into that squad in 07. Yeah. Totally. What else we got this shit? Ben Honey says that shit was Sean O'Brien getting injured again. Only just after. He's not no fucking luck, luck, that guy, is he? Fucking hell. It's Vinopola levels of bad luck. No, it's it not is, as bad isn't as it? It's first, Nothing's as bad it's, as Billy Vinopola's luck. No, although it's his first test this year, Sean O'Brien, and he lasts 20 minutes and breaks his arm. That's 
just ah. Yeah, but he said good is Dan Levy replaced him. He looks to be carrying on where he left off last season. As we said earlier on, the ability for the Irish provinces to churn out an unstoppable fucking conveyor belt of brilliant back rowers is terrifying and should scare everyone. Sounds like England. Oh, no, hang on. No, it sounds nothing like England. Yeah, there you go. Um, (laughs) Sounds like England once. Even a sort of schoolboy level is so well supported. There's there's a real, they've got a real, real rugby culture now. We we said it earlier that it all feeds into the national team. Mm. Just such a good structure. I mean, whoever's running Irish rugby should come over to Wales or or to wherever and just say, look, this is how you do rugby properly. (laughs) David Nusifora, that is, I believe, the Australian bloke who uh, he was. I mean, he's. Did, did, did Nusifor ever play for the Wallabies? I think he played for them like once or twice or something. But he, no, like everyone, he always gets criticised in Ireland, and I always just think, why? Look what he's done. He, he's literally taken you from being not very good to being like the second best team in the world. It's Don't like that, David Moffat without the bad jumpers. <clears throat> Very much so, but like they they basically they complain because he goes on holiday back to Australia every year, sort of just before the Six Nations, like Christmas into sort of New Year territory, and he gets criticised every year for that because they claim that's, that's like an that's an important time for like signing new contracts for players, and they say that you know because of that he's not doing his job properly. Like you're the second best team in the fucking world. <laughs> just ch- just chill the fuck out, guys. Anyway. Any more shits? Because it's been going on um, for ages. It has been going on. I'm just... One shit, and I don't like saying this, but Adam Beard, Wales Lock. It was a weird pick. I didn't really well, they understand. they said it was a horses for courses pick, didn't they? Because they have got a couple of pretty long lads, haven't they? The, the, the Wallabies. Well, so they kind of wanted to match it. I'm not saying I'm convinced by it. I'm just saying that that's the logic of it. Yeah, it didn't pan out, whatever. the and like He's got all the physical tools and loads of time on his side to be a very good player, but, it's, yeah, he's not ready for this yet, I don't think. I wouldn't mess with a Corey Hill. No. WJ access in anyway. Fine. It's fine. Let's just leave it at that. And with that, we reach the end. Thank you very much, Mike, for your time and your Indeed. input. Cheers. And thank you very much, Josh. And we will speak to everybody again next week, probably. See you. Take care, boys. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 